Dialed fam, happy Monday morning and welcome to the podcast. My name is Derek Teal. I'm the owner and operator of Dialed Health, which is strength training for cyclists. Today's episode is all about knee pain. Now the real goal with the episode, and I'm doing air quotes pretty heavy here, it's to self-diagnose whatever the heck is going on with your knee, put together an action plan, and hopefully address it fix the problem, and make life so much better. Now, we're going to go over some anatomy, which I think is very helpful. Uh, We'll also discuss the easiest ways to start this process and really answer the question, you know, where do I start? Uh, And then from there, just have a better understanding of what to prevent in the future. Because even if you don't have knee pain now, knowing what these red flags are and having some prehab exercises isn't necessarily a bad idea. Uh, Now, this whole topic is very near and dear to me because I've dealt with knee pain on and off over the last 10 years. Uh, 10 years ago, I tore my ACL, basically flew off my downhill bike, hit a tree, and my knee bent laterally around the tree. Uh, Doctor's terms were that it exploded as my knee bent sideways, and the ACL not only broke apart, but pulled out of my knee and retracted both directions. So it was just a huge hit, uh, kind of amazing, nothing else was injured. But because at the time I used a hamstring to repair it and basically become my new ACL over a cadaver, I have dealt with all sorts of compensation since then. I really believe it comes back to this, and in hindsight, kind of wish I would have chose the Adaver, but you know what? What can you do? I think it's made me a better trainer because of it, and if anything, I can definitely sympathize uh, with all these just injuries, man, because I've had a ton of them. This ACL is one of many, and when you deal with these muscle compensations, it can just be so defeating because, you know, riding's hard enough as it is to be good, and when you add an injury on top of it, it makes it even more difficult. So I'm there with you if you're dealing with this and I'm really excited to hopefully help you get through this whole uh, whole dilemma. So if you're enjoying the podcast, please, this makes a huge difference. Leave me a five-star review and a comment just saying, yo, this podcast is awesome. Stoked I found it. That would be so helpful. You can also screenshot the episode on your phone, post it to your Instagram story and tag dialed health. Uh, the podcast is growing just so you know, but these Every time someone does this, it grows a little bit more and it's huge. Even sending it and texting it to a friend who you know has knee pain on the bike would be very, very helpful for me. So uh, thank you for that. And without further ado, let's get into this episode. Before jumping in today's episode topic, I want to give you a quick life update because there's a lot of stuff happening with my own personal writing and I just want to keep you up to speed. So first things first, this week I got my invite back to TDS. This is the Dirty Sanchez Enduro. It's a Oh, excuse me. I'm burping up a storm over here. Uh, It's an enduro race that happens in Grass Valley, California. It's only like an hour from where I'm at. And it's cool because to get an invite to this event, it means a lot. It's kind of like a badge of honor. And I'm really, really grateful to be going back. Uh, Last year, I think that was my third year. This might be my fourth or fifth year doing it. But last year was my first year that I came into the race with the real mindset of just purely enjoying it to represent dialed health to have a great time and just be a part of this awesome experience because if you've ever seen tds videos you'll it's hard to watch it and not want to be a part of it in some way you know if you're a rider you're basically riding for three days on awesome trails super tech everything from black double black 
rock gardens all the way to just bike park flow trail really good single track some loamy sections all sorts of variety as in regards to the riding uh but you're shuttling in side by sides you're you know you're riding all day <laughs> for like these three days the fans are insane you know you have people like you know you have ass slap alley where you're climbing up a hill and people are smacking you in the butt and they got chalk on their hands and you know you're uh, skidding beer cans like mid-stage people are just going absolutely berserk it is like the coolest spectator event so even if you're not a rider to just be at the event if you like mountain biking you are going to have a great time. Like, there's no question about that. I mean, I'm getting pumped talking about it right now. So I'm going back. Last year was a really, really incredible experience. And uh, really, the goal this year is the same, uh, to go uh, be with everyone, represent Dialed Health, and to stay safe because things can get pretty sketchy out there. Even last year on the last stage, I managed to put a hole in my leg, and uh, it was pumping a lot of blood out. <laughs> but you know what? It made for great content. I had my POV camera on. It didn't hurt, uh, and it looked way crazier than it felt so I was lucky on that one um, and ended up getting it stitched on the spot there uh, with a beer in my hand so I loved it so uh, shout out TDS man I'm coming back and I'm, I'm super excited about it now that experience last year with if I wasn't having a baby last year I think I would have done more events uh, because I'm not planning on having a baby this year okay let's hope uh, <laughs> nothing no surprises happen um, <laughs> I just literally crossed my fingers as I said that so because I don't plan on having a baby this year, I really want to do some more ride events. Um, I'm also I'm thinking about signing up for Downeyville, uh, which is just something I've never considered. And really, since I started this trainer road program and started doing some base face pedaling, realizing what a weakness is, uh, what a weakness that is in my own program just a uh, physical ability uh, it's something i've never ever addressed it's just gotten me so obsessed with just endurance like i almost want this year to be the year of endurance for myself and to focus on all things uh endurance so Downeyville seemed like the perfect thing, like a little carrot to hold at the end of a, a long training block and to get more specific with uh, on the bike training and again just integrating it into strength training and using myself as like the you know, the ultimate test dummy. So, uh, real exciting to think about that. Uh, also trying to do a downhill race at North star this year. I'm not sure which one it's probably going to be whatever works out on my schedule the best. And that's pretty much it for now. There are other ideas brewing, but as far as riding goes, that's what's set in stone. And I'm, and I'm really pumped about it. Now I got to say too, I had a ride yesterday that was incredible. It was, it was funny because I felt so vulnerable on this base phase of trainer road you know i tested my ftp like last week and it was way lower than expected and it just kind of made me self-conscious honestly of being like man i'm i'm this trainer and <laughs> this is the stuff i talk about uh i should be at a higher level but in the reality i am at a high level in what i've chosen to focus on and it's just pure example of adaptation uh and my ride yesterday kind of represented that because i went out and dude, I just, I rode steep climbs. I rode gnarly trails, big jumps, big drops. I felt so freaking good. And I'm talking about it on my Instagram today, but it was just a reminder that, you know, although I have this big weak area I found uh, on the trainer road, you know, build phase rides where it's just like an hour and a half of 70% FTP on the trainer in the saddle chilling. That just smokes me for some reason. But when I'm in and out of the saddle, up steep climbs, hitting downhills, and again, what I've trained for the last like, you know, I don't even know how many years, 
it's like I can feel that it's working and it just it really tells me that you know you're going to adapt what you put most stimulus stimulus on and if you go too far one direction you're going to feel like trash and if you go too far another direction you're going to feel like trash so you have to like have the needle right in between strength and endurance and you just have to slightly push it one direction or another it's not about having all without the other it's about just leaning towards whatever you want uh, to be better at because you can't be the best at everything and I think that's probably the best thing to understand in in regards to your training so you have to have both to be at your optimal level it's just which one do you spend more time on and how do you ultimately train to get that effect that you want so uh, again it was just it was a good reminder that I'm like oh, Okay, <laughs> still got it. Uh, but also, I know a huge area of weakness that I plan on addressing this year, and that's just overall endurance. So, um, and, and just so you know, too, to give you idea, I did like a three-hour pinner enduro ride yesterday. Very steep climbs, uh, and like I said, a very wide variety of like downhill terrain. Uh, and we're talking like seven-foot drops. 25 foot doubles, um, very real technical stuff that, uh, I'm not like trying to, to gloat or anything like that, but I'm just trying to say that, you know, I have this base of endurance, but not like I thought. So anyways, kind of interesting. Don't take that. Like I'm trying to, uh, you know, pump myself up at all, but it's just me thinking outwardly on how performance works. I guess it's, uh, it's why I do what I do, man. It's interesting. So that's it. Let's jump into this knee pain topic and help you figure out what the heck's going on. We're here, people. We are freaking doing it. We're talking about knee pain. Now, I got to give a shout out to at Mackin in the Mountains, who DM'd me with this topic idea. His goal was to talk all things knee pain or to have me talk all things knee pain, but also address knee pain after biking, like when you just get off the bike and your knees start aching or you feel sore. So we will discuss that a little bit, but what I really want to focus on is my area of expertise, which is corrective exercise and movement and how movement, even to your body off of the bike can make your body on the bike so much more optimal. So let's talk about how, let's just talk about this. So you have knee pain, right? Lots of ways it could feel. Is it a jabbing pain? Is it a dull ache? Is it chronic? Is it, um, you know, just when you do certain motions? Is it on the bike only? Is it in the gym only? Those are all things that are totally up, you know, they're unique to you, Okay. And by unique to you, I don't want you to know there's probably a thousand other people dealing with the same exact issue. So don't feel like you're alone on this. I promise you. Uh, there's going to be a way to figure this thing out. So you want to start, in my opinion, with really taking an assessment of how you feel and even write it down. Okay, you know, my knee hurts uh, when I ride and I feel like, like I'll give you an example, my knee itself. Uh, my leg feels a little unstable. Sometimes when I walk, I notice that my right leg feels shorter. Uh, when I ride, I don't feel like all my muscles in my quad activate. And then I get knee pain and tightness kind of all through my leg, which makes me stop and stretch. And it happens periodically through rides or through workouts. Uh, and sometimes it leads to pain that is happening frequently throughout the day or even at night. Or I'll wake up with such sore knees that I don't want to squat. It's like that is my knee pain experience, right? So take into account what, what is really the pain that you're trying to address. Once you do that, I really believe a mobility test is going to be the best option for you. So I like to do overhead squat assessments uh, on my 
uh, membership to the website, you can do the mobility program, which actually takes you through the overhead squat. And I'm going to give you a basic rundown here. It is not that complicated to perform, but I think really assessing it is where you want the more expert eye. Um, so on the website, of course, I break things down, how to address certain compensations. But uh, as long as you can see that something's off, then you should be able to go the next route of getting that thing um, you know, figured out by a professional, uh, whether even if it's recording your squat and sending it to me, you're more than welcome to do that. I'd be happy to help you, or you can check out the mobility program on my website. So basically overhead squat assessment, uh, you stand with your feet in a comfortable squat stance. It's usually about shoulder width apart, uh, raise your arms overhead, lock them out, and you're going to squat as low as you can three times and then two times, uh, very slowly. Now, when you do this from the front, from the side and from the back, you're going to be able to see whether or not you have alignment through your joints. And it's basically from your toes all the way to your fingertips. Now, in regards to knee pain, the big thing that we're going to be looking out for, number one, is knee valgus or your knee moving inward as you squat. So this can happen on the way down. It could happen on the way up. But basically, people will start squatting down and then their knees literally start caving in toward each other. And then when they squat back up, uh, they might push back out or maybe they hold uh, alignment on the way down so their knees basically don't move and then as soon as they put pressure through their feet and come back up their knees dive I mean in fact you'll see this a lot when people do jumping exercises like plyometrics like jump uh, box jump you know they'll feel fine they'll load up and as soon as they put power through their feet their knees like cave in and almost like smack together it's terrifying it's like it's like watching an ACL just break down before your eyes. Like it's so scary to see. And it's amazing how, how many people do it and frequently and don't get injured. That That's what's mind blowing to me. But <laughs> anyways, if your knees are moving inward, uh, this is a good sign that you have some form of a compensation through your leg uh, and it's a muscle compensation and that is probably whatever the heck is causing that is going to be the source of your knee pain. Now, sometimes it's a cueing issue, uh, but even cueing issues, just so you know, like a cueing issue would be me watching your squat, your knees fall inward and I say, hey, uh, you know, use your hips and drive your knees outward. Um, a better example or a cue is almost spread the floor apart with your feet. Once you do that, it engages your glute medius in your hip and it helps you externally rotate and keep your knees in alignment. Now, if you're so far uh, weak in that position, you may not even be able to hold it if you think about it. Some people just need to think about it. But again, when it's if you have to think about it, it means it's not autonomous. If it's not autonomous, it's probably not automatically happening when you go and ride and pedal. So it's really interesting when you consider that because even though you can do it, if you have to constantly remind yourself, um, basically it's probably a good idea of where that pain's coming from. So sorry, I realized I just said the same exact thing twice. <laughs> really wanted to drill in that point for you. So that is your mobility test. Now, you can also have this issue with your knees move farther outward, uh, and then you can have your ankles collapse, uh, again, which could kind of cause the knee valgus. You know, you don't have the strength through your feet to hold a good arch, uh, or, you know, you could have such issues in your hips that you're being pulled side to side. Uh, you could be just favoring one leg, one side's weaker than another. Um, I wouldn't, you know, those are all things to look at and understand, but really the big 
the big cause for any pain is going to be that like knee valgus of knees dropping in. Okay, so that is step one. Assess your overhead squat. Make sure you don't have the actual knee valgus. I will say, just you're you're going to be a little bit biased, um, and you're going to come in like knowing that you need to drive your knees out after listening to this. However, uh, I recommend if you film yourself, make sure you just don't face a mirror. Uh, maybe don't even look at your legs and just keep your eyes forward. Uh, that's going to help. And you'll kind of see what the heck is happening uh, without your total control over that situation. Um, one thing you're taught as a trainer during that assessment is to give minimal cueing and no um, real, I guess, coaching on what to do before they do it. Because you just want to see what happens naturally. So um, again, it kind of defeats that purpose, but do your best to make sure you're not at least watching yourself in a mirror on that one. So that is a mobility test, overhead squat assessment. Now... Really after that, if you don't have any uh, obvious movement compensation, it could be as simple as you needing to foam roll your quads. Now there's this thing called the bad neighbor theory and it's the whole idea that basically everything's connected. Where the pain is, is not always where the problem is. So sometimes it's the bad neighbor that's causing the issue. For example, with your knees, if you're just getting straight up like knee patella pain, like right on the top of your knees, a lot of times that's because the bad neighbor, your quads or your neighbor, your quads are being bad and they're just too tight. Uh, uh, you know, cycling is such a quad dominant uh, sport that it's really common for you to get these crazy like adhesions in your muscle tissue. Your fascia gets all bound up. That's like the outer layer of your muscles that holds it together. You get these knots, they get tight. And really when you get such tight quads, you can imagine this as your knee flexes, you're just putting more and more pressure on your kneecap. Uh, and you get all that pressure on it over and over again through all this flexing. It causes inflammation and pain. So really, one of the simplest things you can start to do to address your knee pain, if your overhead squat's good, is just foam roll your quads. You know, Get in there with the lacrosse ball. Find some deeper areas and look up some strategies on foam rolling. There's a lot of different ways to do it. One of my personal favorites is, obviously, you don't go over your kneecap. Stay above your kneecap, maybe a couple inches to be safe. And then you can really go all the way up to your hips. Uh, fellas, watch your junk. You know what I'm saying? Okay, you don't want to be smashing anything. But <laughs> what you want to do is get into a plank. You're on your forearms. Your quads are on the foam roller. And then you just roll up and down slowly. And the goal is to find one of these knots or adhesions and then just be able to dig them out. So you want to pick a foam roller density that is stiff enough to feel it, but if it's too cringing, you know, and it's too painful, you might not be able to release and allow that thing to dissipate. So stop over the spot. You're going to flex your knee five times. So once you go from straight legs and you use your hamstrings to pull your heels back toward your butt and you get some more tension on that muscle. So you're just holding it. You're not even rolling at this point and you're just flexing and extending, flexing and extending. It's a great way to work out that knot. And I think once you do it and feel it, you'll be like, you know what? There's, there's something here <laughs> for sure there's something to it so that's a really great way to address your knee pain uh, as long as your mobility is okay another thing that you can do which i think is very um you know people underestimate the value of of icing you know sometimes we just have to kill some inflammation for the pain to go away it's kind of like the 
you know, I don't know a ton about this, but really a big idea on cortisone shots even is basically killing the inflammation temporarily enough for the muscle to heal and basically get better. Um, so re even recently I was dealing with a little knee flare up and my knee was like hot to the touch. It was just so inflamed and 20 minutes of icing with a little pressure. I like to get a layer between my skin and the ice pack. So my pajama pants were just fine. And then wrap the ice pack around my knee. Uh, it covers all the way down to each side of my knee, uh, which I think is also pretty important. Uh, cause especially cause I was having inflammation on the outside of my knee. Um, and then when I really, I took a blanket and just wrapped it around, made a big knot and it kept steady pressure. There's a barrier. So it never got too cold, but by the end of the 20 minutes, that knee was, I mean, it was totally numb uh, and a lot of inflammation went down and it felt way better like instantly. So don't underestimate the idea of just getting some ice on it. Um, again, some people will say don't ice. Some people will say heat's a better option. Again, it's all about trying it and doing what's best for you because, you know, this is a free option. You know, if you don't have an ice pack, it's going to cost 15 bucks to get a great ice pack that you can use for the next five, 10 years. So, um, it's a really, really no brainer as far as where should I start? Okay. I'm just going to ice my knee for 20 minutes every night this week. And I'm going to see if it makes a difference. Okay. Really, really easy. Don't underestimate it. Um, also you could just do a full on, um, ice bath and get your entire leg in there. Uh, that's going to have other benefits as well besides just the knee pain. But also if you really want to get to this uh, real acute spot, just the, the real cause, and you want to just ice your knee, that's probably going to uh, give you some more direct answers there. So here's what we have as far as options go. You do your mobility test. Okay. If you have knee valgus, we're going to get back into that uh, when we talk about anatomy. Uh, so just hang tight. The next option, if your mobility is uh, up to par, up to snuff, then you go to foam rolling your quads and getting uh, some type of myofascial release going. After that, you can do icing. Okay, These are all very, very easy, free options for you to do. Uh, before we have to get into the nitty gritty, and that's how the heck to fix a muscle compensation. So we're going to dive into it, but guess what? I need some water. So here comes the elevator music. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Okay. So, popping open the laptop. Of course, it's locked at the moment, so I'm going to enter in my password because I found a really good article on basically the role of the glute medius. And it was cool, like... You know, I feel comfortable talking about this, but they just said it so well. I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to read straight off this guy's website. So, uh, Mike Reinold dot com. Uh, he's got some good stuff. And basically, we're going to break down the role of the glute medius, uh, which is going to be probably the biggest thing you focus on in regards to fixing your knee valgus. So like I said, with the squat, the knees fall inward. So the first thing we want to address is the glute medius. Now, here is what's going on. The glute medius is a muscle on the outside of your hip. So everyone knows gluteus maximus. All right. That's the peaches, the cheeks, the big part of your cheeks. But in the upper outside corner of your glutes, you have your glute medius. Now, this is responsible for abduction. So basically, you raise your leg to the outside of your body. That's hip abduction. Uh, also, if your hip is flexed, it's 
external rotation uh, and it pushes outward. So basically, it, or another thing you could do is you could just stand next to a wall, lift up your knee, and then push against the wall. You're going to feel that muscle in your hip. So a lot of people will do lateral tube walks to strengthen this thing. There's also a hip drop technique, but let's just break it down more so you understand uh, why this is so important for fixing your knee valgus and ultimately aligning your knees. Okay, so here we go. So the role of the gluteus medius, uh, when you really break down, this is, uh, I'm reading it straight off the site, so you know now. When you really break down the function of the gluteus medius, you see that it is far more valuable as a pelvis and lower extremity dynamic stabilizer than it is a pure hip abductor. So what he's saying is, although the primary function is said to be abduction like I just talked about, a real goal is lower extremity stabilization. So your ability to basically keep a strong lower half and stabilize, especially under power, which is so huge for cycling. Okay, so let me go back to the article. This is apparent when looking at the, the mechanism of a, a Trendelenburg gait. <laughs> basically, he's talking about walking gait. And uh, Trendelenburg, I mean, I don't even know what that word is. It's, it's probably something I should know. Uh, I don't. Sorry about that. So your gait. Uh, the role of the gluteus medius during activities such as walking and running is to dynamically stabilize the pelvis in a neutral position during single leg stance. As you can see in the photo below, weakness of the right gluteus medius will cause the left hip to drop when standing on the right limb. And so basically, it has a photo that's drawn underneath. The example on the left shows someone standing on their left foot with their hips totally neutral, so there's no leaning side to side uh, or hike of the hip. And on the, I guess, dysfunctional side, there is someone standing on one leg, so they're on their right leg, and their left hip is dropped, so their right hip is hiked up. And they're all twisted at their spine, and it's funny because in the healthy versus non-healthy drawing that they have, the glute medius muscle shown, and the healthy one just looks like freaking Kobe beef, filet mignon, just beautiful, like perfect muscle, and the other one looks like beef jerky. It's all shriveled up and like worthless looking, um, and honestly, it's probably pretty accurate. That's probably what's going on in your body, so, um, <laughs> so basically, it says, conversely, athletic Patients are often masters of compensation and may be able to keep the pelvis neutral while lower leg will adduct and internally rotate. So that is a really interesting topic. What it's saying is they might be so, um, the patients might, I, I'm like, this is, this is describing myself. I know how I need to move and what positions I need to be in so well, and I can feel it so well, that even if the proper muscles aren't activating to put me in that position, I can compensate with other muscles and force it into that direction. It's not the best quality. Even though it sounds cool, like this is what's basically any time I have this flare-up of my knee, I realize, oh man, although my position looks perfect, I'm not engaging the right muscles. And I don't mean that to make it more confusing than it is, but this is like, even when someone does a hip hinge sometimes, they can have a, a neutral spine, uh, they could have their butt back, their weight on their heels, but if they're not like engaging their like lower abs and squeezing their butt to drive their hips forward, they could be recruiting the wrong muscles. And even though it looks outwardly like they're in the right position, they're still not performing the exercise and they're 
you know, at risk for injury. So same thing with your knee alignment. So even if you feel like you have to force your knees out and you can kind of do it on that overhead squat, if your glute medius isn't trained the way that it should be, uh, you're just going to be basically compensating with other muscles and it's kind of defeating the purpose. So kind of interesting. So also what it's basically saying is a good way to test whether or not your glute medius is strong is to literally just stand on one foot and keep your hips neutral. So you watch yourself in a mirror and if you are looking at in the mirror and you can see that your hips are hiked on one side, uh, so the side that you're standing on, then neutralize it and see how taxing that is on your glute medius. You're going to feel your ankle and your foot have to push into the ground harder, probably going to feel your Achilles, some lower calf muscles, but really you're going to feel your hip actually start to burn uh, and on the outer upper corner of it. So that's your glute medius basically saying, yo, I am not strong enough to hold this position naturally. Uh, please train me please. It's sending like, it has like a little white flag. It's just like, I'm done. I, I want to be trained, please. Like whatever you need me to do, I'll do it. Okay. So that's your glute medius right there. Uh, so it'll, I'm just going to finish this uh, paragraph from the article. It says, in addition, the role of the glute medius as an external rotator of the hip when the hip is in position of flexion is also important to consider. These fact factors together are likely why dysfunction of the muscle is commonly found in several uh, pathologies such as iliotibial band, patellofemoral injuries, ACL, and ankle injuries. So it basically just said, yeah, the uh, glute medius not only stabilizes the lower leg, but it also um, basically is it's used for abduction um, and ex or excuse me external rotation when your hip is flexed uh, so a good example of this is a clamshell on the ground you are on your side and your hip is flexed so basically you know you're in this kind of like position where you have a triangle with your lower body and then you just simply raise your top leg up toward the ceiling and keep your feet on each other so it makes this clamshell type motion you can just type in clamshells to google i know that wasn't the <laughs> clearest explanation but uh you start doing clamshells and it's one of the best ways to strengthen your glute medius or at least activate it. Uh, you can also band it up, make give it more resistance, but you know, you do 20 or 30 of these clamshells and you're going to feel your hip burning, especially if your glute medius is weak, uh, as you identified through your single leg stand. Okay. So, um, that is pretty much all things glute medius. Uh, it's why it's very important to address this. If you are having that knee valgus issue now, Another thing we're going to go talk about in regards to your anatomy is your VMO, uh, vastus medialis oblique. So I think I need another sip of water. Hang, hang, hang tight with me here. Okay, a little elevator music. <laughs> we're back. Okay. The vastus medialis oblique. Uh, this is your medial quadricep muscle. I guess you could say this is the teardrop muscle uh, on the inside of your leg. I mean, if you're a cyclist, I think we all appreciate a good-looking teardrop, strong quad on the inside of a nice, tan, and sweaty, shaved leg, baby. Come on. If that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what does. Okay, so it's that VMO muscle, man. Um, it's the one you want to build up, and uh, it just looks sweet. It looks like you know what the heck you're doing. So <laughs> the VMO, uh, it it needs – how do I, I want to say this? Its primary function is to keep your patella tracking in line. So let's just say, for instance, and this is why I'm saying it after the glute med, 
if you address, check out your squat, you realize, oh, my knees are diving, but I tested my glute medius and my glute medius seems to be strong. Well, basically this VMO is kind of what comes into play next because even though it could be super strong, it keeps your patella in line because it works synergistically with the vastus lateralis oblique, uh, oblique, vastus lateralis, sorry, uh, and together, and that's the, basically the quad on the outside of your muscles. So what you could be dealing with uh, in the knees diving in is a VMO that's much stronger than your VL, your vastus lateralis, and that could be pulling your knees inward. So even though most people have a problem in regards to cycling with having a stronger outside of their leg, uh, which is that vastus lateralis, this is what leads to like IT band syndrome uh, and ultimately your VMO not engaging. Um, if you are the opposite of that, uh, which by the way, I've noticed people with really strong VMOs are a lot of people that have very healthy, healthy knees. Um, as long as they also have strong glute medius and they can work synergistically with the vastus lateralis so for some of you we need to actually foam roll your vmo and that means getting the foam roller on the inside of your leg and just allowing it to chill out a little bit uh, at least loosen it up if it's super tight and give the vl that quad on the outside of your leg an opportunity to work synergistically more uh, with your vmo because really the goal is alignment between the two muscles and because you're not going to have one more strength on one side than the other, it's going to keep your patella tracking straight. As soon as one side of your leg gets stronger than the other, it pulls your kneecap, which is your patella, slightly to the right or to the left. And once that tracking issue occurs, now every time you flex your knee, there's friction and irritation and inflammation and pain. Okay? So... If the VMO is pulling your knees in, that's what could be happening when you have a strong glute med. You might actually need to, yeah, uh, <laughs> I almost said rub out the inside of your leg. That sounds questionable. I'm going to say foam roll the inside of your leg. Uh, so let's just go through this again, kind of top to bottom so it's, it's very clear. Uh, you initially assess your overhead squat. If you don't have any uh, knee valgus going on, you want to try foam roll and icing for your knees. If you do have the knee valgus, you want to make sure you have a strong glute medius. Try the hip hike, the standing on one leg, neutral position. Try some clamshells. You could also do some sideline abduction. All things you can type into Google, see what I'm talking about, um, and make sure you don't have a, have a weak glute medius. Uh, and you'll know quick. If it's just like burning and borderline feels like it's cramping right away, that's how you know. Uh, if you can do, let's just say you do a sideline abduction where you're laying on your side and lift your leg straight up. If you can do 20 in a row and you're not feeling your glute med or it's not burning like crazy, then you probably have a strong glute med. The next role from there is to probably foam roll your VMO because it could be overactive uh, opposed to your VL, which is the outside of your leg muscle, kind of the opposite of people have IT band syndrome. So you can start rolling that, make sure it's loose and at least supple enough to give your VL the opportunity to do some work uh, and to work synergistically keeping your patella in line. 
Wow, I really hope that made sense for you and gets you closer on the track to healthier knees uh, because in regards to mobility and training, that is one of the, uh, I think that's the biggest area to start. So that is your game plan, you guys. Um, I'm recording this at Super Bowl Sunday, so let's run some freaking routes. Let's do this. Let's get stoked um, about your knee training program. Let's get out of pain. Okay, so if you have any questions with that process, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, I know it's complicated, and I hope that it at least gives you an easy starting point to direct you to further diving into information. Um, so that is basically all the movement we're going to cover uh, in regards to the knee pain. And now let's just talk about knee pain after long rides. Now let's talk about knee pain in regards to riding. Now if you know like, okay, right after a ride I feel knee pain or uh, it's a prolonged period in between my ride and I feel the pain, but it always comes back to riding very directly. Um, so this is like usually just tenderness around the knee. It could be kind of sore. Uh, it could be like if you put your knee on the ground, you go to a half kneeling position, there's just pain. Uh, I've definitely felt that in the past. And I'll say personally, it's come at times where I do a way longer ride than I normally do. Like, you know, I'm riding, the most recent time it happened basically was I'm doing 25, 35 mile road rides for, you know, four or five months. And then I go on a 70 mile road ride and guess what? Your body is just not adapted for it. And you can't expect it to feel fine <laughs> after you just throw it into like the gauntlet. So uh, keep that in mind. I mean, you have to have realistic expectations. So make sure you're trained. Uh, if you're doing these weekend warrior rides and you're not doing anything throughout the week, all I would say is just get more consistent and Try not to, you know, just go too crazy. But uh, in regards to that pain, I think, you know, you could go the foam roll and ice route. However, if it's an ongoing thing where it's like biking equals knee pain, then you really might want to look into a bike fit. You know, someone with a trained eye can spot these subtle changes that are going to fix that you know, the damage that's happening on this crazy repetitive motion because just making sure your cleat position is correct or your seat height is correct uh, could just be putting you in a more ideal position of what is just, you know, cycling is not an ideal position to begin with, but how do we get the most of it to make sure that we have less muscle compensation, that you are more aligned uh, because, yeah, man, we're just sitting and pedaling thousands and thousands and thousands of revolutions. So uh, stuff adds up. Now, also, it's tough for me to say like even a shoe insole can benefit your whole pedal stroke. But you know, and it's difficult for me to say that because I come from a way of thinking where it's like it's not the equipment, it's your it's your body. So it's like, well, it's not the shoe that's broken. It's your foot that's not performing properly. Um, I will say that I know how. I know how much they can help people and it's not something to completely write off and it would really take the eye of an expert to look and be able to say, hey, this is what you need uh, or even someone tracking where you put pressure through your feet. I mean, there's a lot of ways to do it, uh, but I wouldn't totally write it off. Um, and I think that if you do notice the knee pains happening after these rides, have someone analyze your bike fit position, your pedal stroke, make sure there's nothing off the wall because it could be a very, very subtle change that is only really relevant to your riding um, that needs to be fixed because, you know, your body could perform really well off the bike and move functionally the way it's supposed to. And if it just has this flaw on the bike, it's going to add up. So uh, another thing to really consider and look into if you're noticing that pain is directly correlated to riding itself. And uh, 
yeah, that's pretty much it in regards to knee pain and cycling. Uh, if you have any other kind of like thoughts or ideas on the topic, please reach out to me about it. Um, you can shoot me a DM on Instagram at dialed health or an email, uh, through dialedhealth.com. And, uh, that's pretty much it guys. Uh, very stoked to cover that topic. I hope it was so, so helpful. We're going to wrap up the podcast with a little business update. I'm guessing if you made it to this point, you're probably pretty invested in dialed health. And for that, I want to say thank you. I'm also <clears throat> losing my voice for some reason. <clears throat> there it goes. Um, <laughs> so here's what's going on, man. Uh, I mentioned last week that I had a meeting with my web designer and we talked about moving forward with uh, just developing the website to be more interactive and not just be focused on getting a bunch of programs up, uh, but also have you know, allow people some more customization, allow them to track through calendars and all sorts of cool stuff. And again, this is a very candid way to tell you guys what direction the, the website is going in. Um, I don't want it to sound like some promise that I can't keep. Again, I know the one thing I can say is that I will do everything in my power to make sure that Dialed Health is the number one resource for strength training for cyclists in the entire world. That is my mission, and I believe we're going to accomplish it, but it takes time. It's crazy how the the process is you know, strung out uh, when you have to get the product from this person to that person, from that person to that person, pay this person, pay that person, and voila, it's finally there. So it definitely it takes time, but uh, the meeting that I had basically opened up my eyes to something I'm going to be pushing forward this year uh, that I didn't really anticipate. And it also just started sparking a ton more ideas. So all I want to say is that I think there's things upcoming this year that I'm going to be pushing for that I didn't even expect. And it's a really positive thing and it's exciting, man. I'm just, I don't know. I'm, I'm fired up. I think there's going to be a lot of transition. There's going to be a lot of, um, it's just, it's just going to be growth. And that's the biggest thing I'm focused on, uh, growth and adding value and, making sure that the members of Dialed Health are getting everything that they deserve. And in my eyes, that's the best resource on the planet. So I'm a very far from that, but uh, we're going to work toward it without a doubt. Now, I want to say too, uh, Dialed Health Shred Challenge is in full swing. I finally have all the entrants uh, or entries collectively on an email list, which I'll be following up with this week. It'll be cool. Just kind of a little motivation. We're a third of the way through the process now. And so just to reach out to people and say, yo, um, I want to make sure you're doing good. Uh, how's the progress going? Here's some ideas to stay motivated. That's about it. Um, but yeah, we are basically coming up on the 30 day mark and as a 90 day challenge, it's a big pivotal point. So, uh, for a lot of people too, they're moving into a month of eliminating alcohol and dessert from their diet. I'm about five weeks in personally, and I can just attest to, uh, the positives that it brings and the perspective, but the reality that it, it's difficult, man, it's not easy, but uh, I have not wavered and I'm personally going until Valentine's day. Um, my schedule is a little different than everyone who entered. So I'm just like kind of counting down the days at this point. Uh, but also thinking about ways to not get back into bad habits, which is eating 20 Oreos on a Saturday. Saturday night by myself, uh, in front of the TV. Very, very sad, but true. So, um, other than that, 
it's all about developing a road program. Now, road is a part of cycling that I really want to start to crack into. I've personally become a huge fan of road over the last couple of years. I originally started riding it to train for enduro, and just the convenience factor uh, really led me to enjoy it. And then realizing how much better my mountain biking was, but now I just I love road riding for road riding, and because I want to cover all aspects of cycling, this is just another area to really dive into. So I'm pulling resources where I can. I have a lot of experienced roadies around me and um, we're going to be putting our heads together to make sure that this is the best road program possible. It's also personally what I'm experimenting with now in my own workouts. And because it's the year of endurance for me, I'm kind of in a base phase. I'm trying to build this block that I've never done before. Uh, It's all just really, really good timing. And I think this road program is going to be six. So stay tuned for updates on that. It's going to be a month before it's out because we just dropped the dumbbell program. Uh, and that's it, man. Dial health's popping. Please, you guys, I want to say again, thank you so much for being a part of this and please refer your friends. Uh, it's huge for the growth and the more people that get engaged with dialed health, the faster that the platform is going to grow and be everything that you hope it would be. You know, uh, or you, you know, I can't say that. I'm just gonna say there's nothing like just some quality guarantees and lofty ideas and dreams. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, anyways, you guys, thank you so much. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. I hope it's an incredible week. I want you to train hard and I want you to really follow through on whatever goals you guys have set for yourself, uh, and prove to yourself that you can do it, build that trust with yourself, that self-confidence. Uh, and that's it, man. With that being said, start moving forward and discover your path. I'll see you next Monday.